Well, good morning, church. It's good to see all of you here this morning. As we get into the time in the Word this morning, uh, let's take some time to pray. Father in heaven, we pray and lift up to you that we need you, and we need you to open up your Word to us. We need you to give us understanding. We need you to do in us what we cannot do for ourselves, and we need you to be with us. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that we have because you have chosen to reveal yourself and to speak to us. Lord, we pray as we begin today in the book of John that we would worship you as you deserve. We pray that you change us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, we are going to be at the beginning of the book of John this morning, so would you please turn there? John chapter 1. I love beginnings. You guys love beginnings? There's always fresh enthusiasm. You get to experience something new. The air seems crisp. You have some trepidation, but lots of enthusiasm. When the first sprouts appear out of the warming soil, when the first buds appear on the trees, I even thought of beginnings like the first opening of a book. What adventure waits there? Yeah, I'm a little nerdy like that. but Or when a conductor raises their baton and the first sounds of an overture wash over the listening audience. Or the national anthem and the coin toss at the game, the kickoff. Or that holy stillness and joy when a couple gets married. Or the first cries of a newborn baby. Or starting a new job. Do you love beginnings? Well, here we are in a new series this year through the Gospel of John called Life in His Name. And last week we began by exploring why John wrote this book in the first place. So that, as chapter 20 verses 30 through 31 say, that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we would have life in his name. Well, In the Bible, in the universe, in history, there are two beginnings that are greater and bigger and more glorious than all those beginnings I just mentioned. The book of God, we call the Bible, starts with these words on the first page in the book of Genesis. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything that happens after this flows from the reality that God created the heavens and the earth. Life and light, night and day, planets, stars, sun, moon, lush plants, seas teeming with life, the land full of amazing creatures, and humanity made as the pinnacle in perfection. This is so wonderful, so glorious. So why is it then? That the Bible records two beginnings, if the first one is so amazing. Well, let me pitch another question to you. Why is it that for us, the excitement, the energy, the enthusiasm, the wonder of a new beginning eventually wears off? And we often replace it with terms like same old, same old, or the daily grind, or just keeping on, keeping on. Or we use the word Monday like it's a curse word. Why is it that after a while we feel like our rose-colored glasses aren't working? 
Well, the answer is that there wasn't any need for rose-colored glasses in the beginning. Things were really that amazing. What happened is instead that God, instead of enjoying God's story, we, humanity, chose to write our own story. We chose to put on a welding mask or those glasses you get after you go to the eye doctor. We chose to sin. To mess up that great beginning and put on a blindfold so we wouldn't have to see the God who made us. And who made the wonderful world that we were a part of. But what we find today, as we begin chapter 1 of the book of John, is that the God who is at the first beginning already had the second beginning lined up. You might say that the first beginning was just prep work for the second beginning. It was just a matter of his timing it to fall at the right moment in his story. So would you please stand as we read this second beginning in the Bible from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. You know, just when it was seeming like the plan of God ran out of gas lost its enthusiasm, God proclaimed again to a world in darkness, taking off our blindfold. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. You may have a seat. All of our light, all of our life has come in Jesus Christ. These 18 verses are packed with the glory of God. So I have to encourage you that we will not dig up every single treasure there is here in this text today. But may God grant us with what we unearth today to fill our souls with that eternal fire that burns long after any beginning. And in fact, in this text, what we see today lays a whole lot of ground for what we're going to see in the rest of our time in the book of John. 
So, in this beginning, we see first that life is found in the author of life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. See, the existence of this world is not due to nothing exploding or random chance. This world exists because there is a God who speaks. And when he speaks, things are made, purposes are accomplished, things get done, life is created. Now, this might seem confusing to us in our present day that that John says, in the beginning was the word. But for his original audience, Jews and Greeks, this was a profound statement. And it's profound for us, too. Let's unpack it. For the Jews, the word, the logos, was tied directly with God's speaking. Not only speaking, but speaking in wisdom. It was God's creative and purposeful power. The Old Testament that had been translated into Greek about 250 years before Jesus was born. And when the Old Old Testament used the phrase word of God, it was the same word used here, the logos. God speaking and things being created. And for the Greeks, who started without any knowledge of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, The term logos was linked by their philosophers to the power that made the world, the power that kept the world going, sustained it. To them, it was a way of talking about the power of a creator of what held the world together that gave order and patterns to the universe. You see how these are very important. And John says that in order to understand Jesus, you have to understand who he is. You see that? He was in the beginning with God. And the word was God. We might say that Jesus is God's communication. Or as Don Carson put it, God expressed himself. And he expressed himself through Jesus who was and is God. You see, I told you we'd be doing a little bit of theology in our time in John. Okay, here we go. God is a creating God. But yet here he is described as two persons, God and the Word, who is also God. But God is never pluralized here. Gods. There are not gods. The Jehovah's Witnesses will want to point out that the Greek does not say that the Word was God in verse 1. They would say, well, it says that the Word was a God without the direct article, and they say that to deny the deity, the divinity, the godness of Jesus. Well, it's true that this text doesn't say the God, but it doesn't have to. If If this word is in the beginning with God, then he's eternal. And if he's doing everything that's attributable to God... All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And John starts off his book with saying that in the beginning was the word, which he totally adopted from the book of Genesis. Then God is God, and the word is God. And John intends for us to know and believe that. 
The Logos is God. Jesus is God. And this is part of what is called the doctrine of the Trinity. The word Trinity isn't in the Bible, but what it means is what John is describing. He hasn't gotten to the Holy Spirit yet. Basically, three divine persons, but only one God. One essence. Divine essence. And I'm I'm not coming to you and saying that this is easy to understand. Most of it, how this works, some of the greatest minds in history have worked on this and conclude that it's there in the Bible, and it's a mystery. But John takes us to this up front so that we can understand that Jesus is the divine Son of God. Remember his purpose from chapter 20 that we studied last week? These are written so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus is the Word of God. He is creation's author. He is God. You need only to look outside. Look up at the stars. Or look at the people in the seats next to you. Or look at your own hands. The very lines on the top of your skin are utterly unique to you. The God who put 10 plus octillion stars into the sky and yet has numbered every hair on your head. His name is Jesus, the word of God. All of our light, all of our life has come in Jesus Christ. Life is found in the author of life. And if he's the creator, verse 4 should come as no surprise that in him was life and that life was the light of of men. All life comes from him, the author of life. He should be worshipped for this alone. But what does it mean, as verse 4 says, that the light, or that the life was the light of men? It means that we have a need for seeing reality. In him was life, verse 4, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. We have a need for seeing reality. And Jesus, who is the Word, the author of life, is also he who is called here the light of men, or the light of mankind. Light shows us what is real. Well, what does this mean? Well, let's take a look, no pun intended, at our own eyes. See up on the screen there? Or rather, look at the eyes of the person next to you. Here's the question. And if you remember your grade school biology class, hopefully you'll remember. Here's the diagram. Does your eye generate its own light? I mean, does light come from your eyes like the Marvel comic superhero Cyclops? Not not necessarily destroying everything like that, but allowing your eyes to see things? That the light comes from within? (laughs) No. Our eyes don't work like that. Our eyes are 
are designed to understand reality by receiving light. So when John says that Jesus is the light of men, what he means by that is that by Jesus, we can see clearly. By Jesus, we can see what is real. That's why the Apostle John brings up John the Baptist here in verse 6. Here was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. John the Baptist even admits that he isn't the light, but wants people to know about the true light, Jesus. And this is a tip-off of telling us more about Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. It's not as if Jesus is a secret. And what's more, he didn't show up in secret. People were supposed to know where he came from. There have been drones flying around Colorado and Nebraska that are make, have been making people nervous. Because no one knows where they come from or what they're doing. And we might not be able to solve that right now. But we can take heart that that is not God's strategy for showing up. He comes as the light, which gives light to everyone. And he wants to be known as the true light, which gives light to everyone. So here's the question. Why does John the Baptist need to come to bear witness about the light? Well, in fact, why does true light, the true light, Jesus, need to come into the world at all? Answer, there is darkness. Look at what it says here in verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And John the Baptist comes, verse 7, that all might believe through him. What, is that? what does this mean? It means that we were in darkness. If someone is coming that all might believe, it means that there are some people, or there are people who weren't, and today who aren't believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the light of mankind. It troubled me a bit this week when I read in verse 9 that the true light gives light to everyone. Well, if everyone means everyone, and it does, what's happening? Well, remember that the light shows us what is real. When our eyes receive light in a healthy eye, we're able to distinguish objects, depth of field, movement, color, texture, dimension. But what happens when we close our eyelids, put on sunglasses, put on a blindfold? Darkness. This is what this text is saying. Jesus, who is God, in whom is life and who is light so that we can see clearly, shows us what is real and we oppose it. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Romans, tells us what's going on here. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. 
For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Do you see what's happening? The loving, life-giving, light-giving God who wants us to see clearly gives light and because of our sinfulness, which we brought about at the first beginning, we close our eyes. We suppress the truth in unrighteousness. A little later in the Gospel of John, John chapter 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus that the light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than, than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. Verses 19 through 20, chapter 3. We see what is real. We close our eyes. Why? Because we know that our works are evil. We know that we've sinned against God. It's why people get upset when the Bible calls evil, evil, and wrong, wrong. We don't like being told we're part of the darkness. We've got a major problem. We're rejecting the God who made us, his son who gave us life, when we see what is real and we close our eyes because we don't want to see. John says in verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Greeks and pagans and non-Jews didn't know him, even though he had can be clearly perceived from what has been made, and his own people, the nation of Israel, refused him because he exposed their sin and faulty expectations of a savior. But do you know what also happens when we close our eyes? We close our eyes to reality, of which there is bad stuff, there is evil. There is our evil, our awful sin against God and other people. But reality is not primarily that which is evil. That which is darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We've been reading it this whole time. But when light shines... Darkness never takes over. When light shines, darkness flees away. When light shines, life grows. People see clearly. God is known. Grace is shown. Truth is given. Glory is revealed. And God has come down into the darkness and can be believed. All of our light, all of our life has come in Jesus Christ. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But 
to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God has come down and can be believed. As true and amazing that Jesus is the creator, the word, the life, and the light of men. If he just stays up in heaven and lets the world go to rot in closing its eyes, in keeping on a blindfold, we're without hope. But what happened to this word, this light, this life? Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The light really shines in the darkness. He, as the light, is able to see things just as they are. He saw the sinfulness of sin and the sinfulness of people in sin, yet he did not stay away. He dwelt among us. This is called the incarnation. The eternal Son of God put on a body just like we have and chose to live among us. Why? So that we might know God the Father. Read verses 14 through 18 with me. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Do you know what this means? For all of creation, since the fall of humanity and sin in the garden until approximately 33 AD, God was unapproachable. No one may see my face and live, He told Moses. That that Moses, who is called the friend of God. There are very few references to God as father in the Old Testament. Do you know why? What makes a father? Offspring. So when God's eternal son comes down, look at what happens. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the father's side, he has made him known. That's why grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. The law doesn't make God known the same way, though it too was a grace of God. Jesus Christ reveals God as Father. J.I. Packer, Christian theologian, says this about this amazing truth in his book, Knowing God. He says, you sum up the whole of the New Testament teaching in a single phrase. If you speak of it as a revelation of the fatherhood of the Holy Creator. 
In the same way, you sum up the whole of the New Testament religion if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's Holy Father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his Father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish, is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father, he says, is the Christian name for God. All of this comes then to a question. Is God your heavenly father? Do you believe him? Do you trust him? Do you see him and know him because Jesus has made him known to you? Or are you yet in darkness? Away from the God who made you, who loves you, and you are still without real hope. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the word. And when God comes down, the God who speaks, the God who shines, he can be believed. There is some good news. You see, humanity and each of us individually didn't just put on a blindfold when we sinned. We died and were born into death. We needed life. And we needed rescue from an eternal consequence of rejecting our creator. When the Son of God, in whom is life, and that light, which it was the light of men, came into the world, took on flesh like we have, God declared not only that he had come down, but that there would be some who believe. Verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Blood is perishable. The will of the flesh never lasts, and the will of man can't bring life out of death. But when someone is born of God, what does that mean? It means exactly what John said in chapter 20, verse 31. That by believing in Jesus the Christ, the Son of God... You may have life in his name, eternal life, abundant life, all the wonderful privileges and security of being a child of God, God who is a creator, God who is revealer, God who is savior. Are you one of his? Or perhaps you are already his. This word is still for you. For there are days for us Christians when God seems far off. He seems like he dwells in unapproachable light while we trudge through the darkness. We must speak the word of the word into our lives at that moment, no matter how we feel. It was not just for nice feelings that Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, 
for you are with me. It's not for nice feelings. It's to proclaim reality that now, here, for us to see, God's glory in the word becoming flesh and really being with us, no matter what valley we walk through. Life is found in the author of life. And the light shows us what is real. And what is real is that God has come down and can be believed. I think the reason that we love beginnings is because God loves beginnings. He loves to create. He loves to give life. He loves to shine. He loves to display his glory by him coming down. He loves being believed. He loves making children for himself and revealing who he is to them. There are many fresh beginnings with the Son of God. Do you need a new beginning today? Jesus has already come and wants to give you a new beginning to all. That's you, me, anyone who wants to, who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He simply gives it by giving his son to forgive your sins, to pay your debt to God, by dying that you might live. And the requirement on us is to believe him. We don't earn it. It's grace upon grace. Grace meaning it's totally undeserved. We can't make God halfway. God came all the way down to the ground and took on a physical body. We can't know God unless Jesus makes him known. And he has. Will you believe him? And will you continue believing him? In the beginning was the word. And right now, He is the Word incarnate, the Word in the flesh, who can be believed. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you came to help us know our Father. Thank you, Father, that you can become our Father through Jesus. Lord, we confess that we often lose sight of this for us who already believe, and we pray, Lord, refresh our souls. And we pray for those who don't know you as Father. Lord, that you, through this word, would make yourself known, and may they receive you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your light. Thank you for your glory showing up and dwelling among us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.